0: Five four three two one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. And we've got a we've got an interesting show today and an even kookier show tomorrow. But uh, let's get over to this. uh, Let's get over to the fun stuff. Okay. LVII is coming. What does it mean? What does it mean? LVII, Livy. Livy. Rum and noodles. Rum and noodles. I thought it was military time. Like a movie that came out, but it's like the 200 version of it. Something like that. Because I know that is six. 56. No, XI is six. I should know what this means. LV. means <laughs> 57. That is 57? It's like the cursive for numbers. Get with the times, football. Maybe use emojis or something. That's popular more popular than roman numerals you roman numerals look i mean if it's 57 i don't know why they don't just say 57 at this point just say it's 57 57, 57. 57. 57. 57. Seven means heinz apparently the founder of heinz harry heinz uh his favorite number his lucky number was five and his wife's was seven that's how the heinz 57 got named but super bowl 57 is gonna be it's going to be worse next year. That's the bad that's the bad news. Let's go over here and get the 57 story here. Heinz 57. Uh using Roman numerals to label Super Bowl games is ancient history. Ancient history, it's true. And uh, so they've got some they're doing some posters and stuff. <laughs> this is my favorite. Roman numerals haven't been cool since M-C-M-X-C-I-I. And I actually, I had to look it up, but yes, it's 1992 for all of you really smart people. And yes, it's time to just say 57. Next year it'll be worse. Another digit will get added. Uh, So it'll be L-V-I-I-I, in case you don't know. I'm not sure it gets better. No. You know, by Super Bowl 88, it's like, yeah, it's a mess. Okay, so it's L, V, no, no, it's, yeah, L, X, 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 I, I, I. And, you know, never mind. Anyway, so Heinz Ketchup is passing, taking a pass on advertising during the Super Bowl. According to Kraft, uh... Heinz actually means this, so they did this depicted passersby um, and you saw that already. Uh, so you can vote to expunge Roman numerals from the Super Bowl games beyond 2023 and win a four dollar bottle of ketchup, <laughs> which I'm going to enter. Why not right? And, uh, but here's the astounding number 7four percent of voters so far say just say 57. Uh, meaning let's get rid of the roman numerals i think that's probably true uh and there's the the backstory on the number 57 oh here's one i wanted to mention the out-of-home placements are running in chicago and phoenix with street level wild postings in toronto and vancouver now that seemed odd to me neither team has a football neither city has a football team why not run these in philadelphia I don't know. But uh, not a fan of the NFL. You may know that already. I watched uh, the second half of the second playoff game yesterday, or uh, Sunday, and uh, I think there were 14 penalties called on the uh, Bengals. I don't think it was like every play they would run over, they would huddle, they would say, well, what can we call this time? Well, you know, it wasn't too bad on the line of scrimmage. Let's call something in the backfield. Let's call something, you know, and it was like that every play. Uh, The Bengals were, in my opinion, clearly the better team. And I hope that Kansas City gets snuffed in in the Super Bowl. We'll hear more on that to come. Okay, it takes two. Study touts direct mail, but adds that it works better with email. And this is by Ray Schultz. And Ray Schultz, and I go back a long ways. I admire Ray. And Ray and I worked together when he was editor at DM News, chief marketer, direct—I don't know about circulation management—but uh, this guy's like a rock star in direct marketing, I have to say. Okay. Um, so Ray set. Ray does a follow-up. This was from last week, Friday, I think. 74% of marketers agree that direct mail delivers the best ROI. That may be why 58% are increasing their direct mail spend this year, with 16% increase in, significantly increasing it, and uh, 25% of their marketing budgets are devoted to direct mail. Now, this to me already suggests that it's a skewed survey because I don't think I don't think if you just took a random sampling of 100 companies, maybe 50 plus employees or something, uh, and said how much of your marketing budget is mail i think you'd find a big zero in a lot of them so i think lob who was funded the study study by lob working with compare media i think lob selected their own clients or something because that just sounds like way too high to me (coughs) when i get calls from people that hey i think we should try mail you know and it's like, well, how much have you done? None. Or or even catalog companies, you know, just decided, well, anyway, never mind. Anyway, so uh, there's a bunch of stuff here on automation rates and who runs the direct mail and that sort of thing. But here was a really interesting part. According to Ray, 66% of the direct mail senders are unable to measure ROI. Well, and that's not that Hard to believe, because if you don't do holdout testing, if you don't set it up properly, you know, no media is testable if you don't set up the test. Right. It's just observation. And most companies, all they do is they go, well, we tried this and then we tried that and then we tried this. And that isn't a test and you don't know the incremental and benefit. Uh, but with Love Sack, we did. um you know, the, they had been running a catalog for a while, and Patrick, their new VP of marketing, came from a packaged goods company, and he'd never done any mail. And he said, you know, why would we, he asked me, he said, our number one problem is customer recognition of our brand. Once they know what we do and sell, uh, we do as well as other online furniture companies or retail furniture companies. Yeah. And he said, "So why would we send spend money sending mail to customers that we already have, that already know who we are? You know, they're gonna they're gonna be fine. We should spend our money getting new customers, informing them of what we do." And I said, "Patrick, that's one of the best questions I've ever been asked. And uh, would you like to know the answer?" And I'm not gonna tell you the answer. I don't know the answer. My, you might be completely right. That's one of the ways to win with clients is answer their questions don't don't tell them the answer all the articles i read tell you the answer almost nobody knows how to test the answer so what's the answer well the answer is holdout test with uh with musician's friend who was owned by guitar center who was owned by a venture company in dubai um you know every year we had to fight for the catalog because they were you know why don't we just do the internet why don't we just do email or something like that and uh so every year we would do holdout tests. That's really where I learned it from. Um, and we would take about 15% of the of what we would have mailed. We knew who we would have mailed. We knew who we were gonna mail. We knew who we did mail. And uh, we took that 15% and five percent of them we held out for one month. The na- another five or basically 10 we held out for two months and 15 percent we held out for three months something like that so we staggered it so we had a we had a, a multiple time time frame pick uh, picture and what we found was that the that the uh that the return on investment so you take let's say a buck for the catalog in case you don't know what return on investment is and for every dollar we spent on on a catalog mailing it to existing customers we got about ten dollars of of sales differential from the customers we didn't mail okay about ten dollars they you know a lot of them ordered anyway that's how you tell okay you stop okay now in a lot of digital a lot of mass media if you stop nothing happens there's no differential and that may, should make you question and that's what uber found out and procter and gamble found out and others find out is that their mass media oftentimes doesn't have measurable impact but in this case in case of musician's friend it was uh it was about 30 percent return on investment um so you know very worthwhile but very mature you know everybody knew they had a website everybody could go there they could call in there were other channels that uh and they emailed like crazy because it was not jointly managed the email guys sent as much as they wanted uh we were planning to do a test on abusive email but we never got that done but anyway so with with lovesack we we took about a 10 percent sample and said okay we won't mail these and let's see how they do and we looked down about two months something like that i don't remember the time frame but you know the window after the mailing and we saw that the catalog uh if you take the if you take the price of the catalog let's say a buck again it wasn't but let's say uh they produced about $10 of sales, you take away the margin, you take away the order processing, you take away overhead, and it was about $3 of EBITDA bottom line profit, which is a 300% return on investment. And later we realized that a lot of neighbors were buying, that for every one customer order we got two new customers, which is something that we hadn't put into the equation, but when we did, we had a 900% return on investment. So there you go. That's how you figure return on investment, ROI. Ray says that two-thirds of direct mail senders don't know how to do it. There you go. And uh, so how do firms that do measure direct mail do it? Individual customer activity within a specific time. Again, it has to be compared. It has to be a, a, a holdout test. You can also do uh, with and without a QR code. You can also do a personalized URL, Perl. Uh, which helps them fill in the blank there's a lot of ways to do it, but you have to set it up with and without you have to have some differential you have to have a control and then a test and most don't and then and then and then Ray I think puts in his own stuff uh, where he gives a lot of well it must have been from lob because it has all these percentages about what's wrong with direct mail and um, what do people use it for mainly customer retention. Okay, because uh, it's easiest to measure, I suppose. But you can measure incremental gain on prospecting as well. Um, You know, try to get a try to get a uh, get one. What is it called? (laughs) Each one get one or something like that. This one was for a referral program from Mint Mobile. They keep telling me about a referral program. It's a pretty good deal. so if you don't if you don't like your cell phone carrier, give me a call. Anyway, finally, uh, the last story is from uh Craig Huey. And he says, here's a story about 126% increase in checkouts with one key strategy. I'm not sure there was a holdout on this. I'm not sure there was a control. Uh, Craig, I uh you know, always happy to talk. Um their researchers showed that customers wanted a shopping experience that was quick, easy, and seamless to make purchases. Now, what's interesting about this is, you know, I talked last week about customer experience and, and how, you know, for some reason, there's this idea that if you lavish things on your customers, that that's what they're looking for. Not, that's not what everybody's looking for. You know, on, on, uh, on eBay, I like that I can get in and out fast and get it done. That's exactly what I like, uh, what I'm after, as the Shopee customers are also, apparently. So make it easier. Make it easy to find. Don't retarget me a lot. Uh, I don't like retargeting because I've already bought it because I'm in and out fast. Okay. (laughs) So people use an app. They can download an app to sign up for membership programs and stay connected. But a large majority of their customers were using the Shopee app to make purchases. Okay, so how can we make that better? Okay, how can we make that faster and easier? Okay, in fact, the app traffic converted 20 times better than on their website, where people are overwhelmed and walk wandering around, don't know where they're going. So what they did was they did deep links, and I'm not for sh- familiar with this. this. is the first time I've ever heard it, but it sent users straight to specific in applications. Now. So what I presume is that they, you know, Craig does a lot of mail. So let's say they use mail or they used email or something. And they were able to use, you know, you can use QR codes in email because I read my email on my computer. And I could then use my phone to get right into the product I want. Too often when customers use, when companies use QR codes. And I was looking for a Land's End. I think there's one back here. Lands end for a while and this is for Daniel, Dan over. Here. For a while there was a QR code on the back of Lands end. There ha- there isn't one now. Uh, none in here. I I <clears throat> I keep saying to Dan you should test it, but don't test it just taking me to the you know Hammocker slimmer did this too. I said to him test, 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 test. And uh, test the QR code and they would put a QR code on a product and then it would go to the to the homepage on their website. Well, what good is that? What help is that? Not much. Then I got to try and find it on the on the on the little teeny screen, which I'm not that good at. So give me if you know if there's an interesting product that you really want to feature, put that QR code on there and take me right to the product, right? In this case, take me right into your into your app, which I think is the the key here. Is they they took people into their app. And probably said, do you want to download the app? And then you download it and then you go right in and take it right to the product. Instead of just landing me at a website. Okay, makes perfect sense. Although I don't know why you couldn't use a mobile version of your app to take me right to the product. But anyway, um, but maybe the app remembers my credit card and stuff. So after implementing deep links, and hopefully we'll find that term more often. Shopee saw an increase of 120% in checkouts with 50% landing directly in the app, and they enabled Shopee to connect more of their users directly to their app. (coughs) Excuse me, I missed my... (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Which helped boost traffic dramatically and improve app conversions, okay? So I'd like to hear more about that one, and if you know something about... Deep links, deep links, let me know. Okay, and just to remind you, somebody already wrote me and said that they were going to check out the podcast. If you go over to, uh, if you go over to WDMA, it's going to let me in. For some reason, it's reloading the page. Okay, if you go over to WDMA, come on, WDMA. I won't, there it is. if you go over to WdMA every day we have podcasts and posts and um, and now whoop, go up a little now we have Apple Podcast button, Google podcasts, RSS and iTunes. If you hit on these, you can subscribe to the WdMA uh, podcast and it will have whoops here we go. It will have that was oh that was yesterday's show. Yesterday shows up already. See, Fishburn Smart Products. Okay, and it's on Google Podcasts right there. And you can hit subscribe. I'm already subscribed, but there's the button. And uh, right there. And off you go. And you can listen to it every day in your car. Heaven help you, you'll be so smart. <laughs> Not only will your friends know you're smart, but you'll know you're smart. So have a great day. Bye bye.